Welcome to Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. Yeah, when, when you think of what's going on in today's world with the kind of uh, the, ex- the, the exchanges that go on and the, and the meanness and the, and the quarrelsomes and the arguments, and uh, we're just mean. We're, we've become mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think this warning, although it's, it's you know, Paul saying to Timothy, don't don't be in these situations where you're you're getting people all enraged. Be calm. Uh, be kind. Be willing to teach. Don't be resentful. Those are pretty. Those are high orders. This series, we're looking at Second Timothy. It's Paul's last letter to Timothy, and there are only four chapters, but they pack a punch. I am so glad you've joined us. Today we're talking about 2 Timothy 2, 15 through 26, and I was thinking about who I wanted for my guest and realized that there's someone on the Faith Radio team that I have never had on the podcast, so I asked him, and I you know, thought I might have to twist his arm a little bit, but it, it wasn't too bad. I invited Afternoons with Bill Arnold host, Bill Arnold. Welcome, Bill. Thanks, Angie. Angela, is this radio or television that we're on right now? <laughs> yeah, podcasting. It's oh, something it's po- totally different. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I went to the makeup room for nothing. <laughs> right. But I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Thank, you know, it's nice for me sitting across from you with your makeup on. <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so I've had all my guests start out by reading the passage, okay. and there are names in there, so good luck with that. So, no, I, I did a little practice, so I'm ready okay. to go. Awesome. Yeah. Do you want me to read... 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 15 to 26. Yes. Let's start. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have departed from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are His, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't do anything to have to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. And opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. And they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Thank you for reading that. 
Um, so first of all, the trap of the devil right at the end reminds me of what you say all the time. I mean, your whole purpose for doing your show all, when, you, when you're choosing your guests is to depopulate hell, to break people free from the trap of the devil. So It's one of the most bone-chilling statements in all of Scripture, mm-hmm. that pray that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil mm-hmm. who has taken them captive. You know, some people go, oh, I'm, you know, I'm really not interested in God, but I'm not interested in the evil part either. Mm-hmm. Too late. You've been taken captive by the devil to do his will. You don't get, you're in one camp or the other. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think is a hard pill to swallow. Very hard. Yeah. People don't like that, that biblical truth. It's a hard one to swallow mm-hmm. for many. Yeah. So let's kind of go up to the the beginning of the passage and what what was standing out to you as you were read, reading well, the passage? Well, you don't have to go very far, uh, Angela, except the first three words, do your best. Hmm. I mean, how long have you been hearing that? I mean, yeah. I heard that in fourth grade baseball. Yeah. My mom would say, go do your best. <laughs> <laughs> and that I've been hearing my whole life. And that is a real encouragement that Timothy starts, or Paul starts in his letter to Timothy with do your best. So let's all always do our best to present yourself to God as one approved. Now, it seems like when a faith gets tested, that's how you just decide if it's approved. Right. Well, so a tested faith is a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, I mean, if anyone knows about that, it's Paul. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. And in one of the other conversations I had for one of the other days, we were talking about how that that's when the rubber meets the road. Like you can say what, and you can go on and on about what you believe, but when you're tested, that's when the rubber meets the road and you find out if it if that's what you really believe. Yeah, that is the, the time when you know for certain uh, whether or not you are living out the truth or, or you're just making some chatter. Mm-hmm. Yep. And again, uh, Paul goes on to say, avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. There's a big temptation there. Yeah, and you it'll know. spread like gangrene. That's a real visual <laughs> picture. <laughs> I know, I... I've, I haven't heard the word gangrene very often, but mm-hmm. uh, it seems like you gotta go back to the Civil War to hear about gangrene. But, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty fatal. Yeah. Well, and what it does is it kills. I mean, if someone would get a wound and get gangrene in it, it kills. It starts killing the tissue. Yeah. And then it spreads quickly. I didn't be- know about this. I really love British period drama <laughs> and uh, period kinds okay. of things. So yeah, so you studied it. Well, it's just come up in films yeah. that I've watched, yeah. and especially I mean, like I think talking about the Civil War, that's a a time period when that it was kind of rampant yeah. because things weren't as hygienic. Right, no, and they talk about having to saw off limbs because yeah. the gangrene's starting to take over. Right, yeah. So I mean, so taking that visual picture of cut it off. Yeah, you know, do not be a part of that. Cut it off so that it won't continue to kill the tissue in you. Yeah, to kill. The godliness in you. And not to mention that uh, a couple of uh, these guys were sent away, uh, Hymenius and Philetus. Yeah, and I thought what was, uh, I read a little bit in a commentary, and it talked about that they weren't denying the resurrection, but they were warping it. They were saying that it already happened. Yeah, and I think that's easy, an easy trap to fall into that it's, uh, well, I mean, they're not denying it. But they're warping it and they're twisting mm-hmm. it until it becomes un- an untrue statement that can, you know, kind of take people out. Well, they were talking about it as more of a private spiritual life that was disconnected from day-to-day life. And Paul shows up and says, 
resurrection starts now. Eternal life is a present possession. Mm-hmm. And they weren't buying that at all. And that no. was not the truth. And they needed to go away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so what else kind of stands out to you? I thought that it was interesting, too, the articles in the home, the gold and silver and the wood and clay. That, I mean, so going along with the British period drama stuff that I like, yeah. I also like china and fancy dishes. And I might have multiple sets of dishes for different things because this sounds like a problem it you know maybe yeah a friend of mine and i will text each other okay and, yeah yeah so you've yeah. got a lot of sets yeah i've got lots of sets of dishes i do a lot of hosting though okay and so different sets are for different some of them are for holidays some of them are christmas dishes some of them are for easter mm-hmm. and so they're special i mean those are things that i take out on special occasions for special celebrations and and i uh, and I handle them differently. You know, the, they don't go in the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. They have to be hand-washed, hand-washed. With, you know, which my family just loves. Um, but they're for a special purpose. And that kind of like set apart that holiness, I think, is a great visual of how we're supposed to live our lives. Not stored in a, count, in a, in a cabinet somewhere, but to spend time with the Lord so that we can be made holy and be set apart for the work that he's prepared for us to do. Mm-hmm. I love when... Uh, it says that everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Mm. That to me is pretty clear. I don't have a hard time understanding that one. No. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't mincing words there. Yeah. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. We can't just do that on our own. Mm-hmm. We need God's help. Yeah. Well, it's and he returns to that too a little bit later. Flee from the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, and be among those who seek call out on the Lord from from a pure heart you know it's and, and then in between that we have this the articles the special articles in the house and I think it's that's how we that's how we get to that place to be able to flee the evil desires of our youth by spending time with the Lord that's the only way that I think we're able to do that mm-hmm. when you were a youth Angela were you rebellious Yes. <laughs> so tell me. Well, and I didn't come to know the Lord until I was 19. Okay. So. So you yes. had a streak in you, maybe in high school, mm-hmm. that you would look back and go, hmm, okay, there was some rebellion going on. Yeah. I mean, I've got, my boys are 15 and 18. Yeah. And it's very sobering to think about what I was doing when I was 15 and 18. And <laughs> thankfully, they are not doing the things I was doing. Yeah. But if you were being told or your parents were encouraging you to flee the evil desires of youth... How close were you to being willing to obey that? Oh, well, my sister had, my sister was in the Air Force and she got involved in a navigator Bible study. Nice. And so she was my, quote, religious sister. Okay. And so she was trying, she was saying those things to me. I remember having very vivid conversations with God, even though I was not walking with him, where I, you know, would be somewhere and say, you know, just leave me alone. I want to do what I want to do. And just leave me alone. And I would go into situations, and in hindsight, I can look back and say, God's hand of protection was on me because I was I put myself into dumb situations, and, and he was with me, and that frustrated me, and I kept telling him to leave, and he did not. Wow, that's So awesome. he would not let me flee. That is not, that's not everybody's story. I'm grateful that it's mine, but um, so I was trying to flee, Mm-hmm. to the desires of youth, <laughs> right. and he just wouldn't let me. Wow, that's an incredible amount of protection that God yeah. had in your life. Mm-hmm. And he's he was so intentional with making sure that you were not going to be 
put in a situation where there was going to be irreparable harm in mm-hmm. your life. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. How awesome is that? Yeah, very cool. Not so, a lot of people listening are going to have that same experience or that story. No. They're going to feel like they made mistakes. and they're... Oh, I did. <laughs> Let's uh, be clear well, yeah. about that. Oh, no, no. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm, sure you, I'm sure you did, as we all did mm-hmm. make mistakes. But, you know, some people have got mistakes that, made, that they made that, that they, they're still being haunted by today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such well, an incredible and impressionable time in our lives. It is. Yeah. And your, because what is your story at that age? Well, when I was uh, 12, my, my best friend was killed by a drunk driver. Mm. Uh, so we had the same bikes, the same jackets, the same baseball gloves, the same tennis shoes. We were just kind of each other's shadows. Mm-hmm. And he um, was on his bike and a, a drunk driver went through a, a red light and, and hit him and killed him. And then my my uncle, uh, my uncle Bill, who I was named after, uh, he was uh, sort of my my weekend kind of dad because my father died when I was eight months old. So he sort it's of a lot of loss. Yeah, it was a lot of loss. So he sort of stepped in and and kind of did some of the weekend dad stuff when he was available, and I really really loved him and really felt secure with him. And then mm-hmm. yeah, he died of a heart attack when he was only fifty three. Wow, when you were about around the same time. Yeah, I was like uh, thirteen. So wow. yeah, it was, it was very very tragic. And so you start to see uh, people that you love leave this earth. And you, I, I kind of looked at my friend in the in the casket, and I'm thinking, well, what, what, what happens to me if I were to die? If that was me, where would I be right now? So um, we're turning this into my my story all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I was raised in a in a, uh, a Catholic uh, school, and I loved it. And I loved uh, being at uh, going to mass, and I loved the choir I was in. I loved being an altar boy. But I had a seventh grade religion and choir teacher that bought us Bibles and had us memorize First John one nine. Wow! And he said, you know, you have to at one point take ownership of your faith. You make it yours. It's just not what your family does, or it's what your parents want you to believe. It's what you have to own. And you can have confidence and assurance of eternal life. I thought, what? Wait, wait, wait. This is the best news I've ever heard. I mean, I can place my faith and trust in Jesus and have eternal life starting right now? This is what Paul was arguing about Mm -hmm. to, to Timothy, saying, no, eternal life starts now. It's a present possession. And from that day, I knew that my eternal life was alive and well in me. And I was like 13. That's amazing. And I would say that that would be God's protection on your life, in a, not in the same way, but in a similar way that he was on mine, that you had a lot of loss. You, it would have been very easy for you to go in a different direction and rebel, but his hand was on you, and he used that choir director to, or the religion teacher, yeah. to, to introduce himself to you. Yeah, I mean, love and death were metaphorical dance partners. They mm. kind of they went hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And then my my mom at age fifty two had been widowed three times. Wow. Yeah. So my my stepfather died when I was seventeen. So you know, my best friend at twelve, my uncle at thirteen, and then my stepdad at at seventeen. And and so there was a lot of opportunities for uh, a kid like me to fall through the cracks mm-hmm. out of sheer anger or confusion or rebellion. But I had so much support that came alongside me. Another dear man of God came alongside me and put his armor on me that one day in the kitchen, the day my dad died, and said, let's have breakfast next week. Mm. 
And we had breakfast once a week for the next 14 years. Wow. <laughs> so, and he, you know, we memorized scripture together. And uh, he, at one point, was the chairman of the board of, of uh, Northwestern here. Oh, wow. And this building mm-hmm. that we walk into every day to record our programs has a, ded- a dedication plaque. And his name is at the very top of the plaque. Oh, How about that? That's very cool. Yeah. Well, and so he, I mean, the two of you were kind of like a Paul and a Timothy. We he were. was taking, like Paul took Timothy under his wing. Yeah. And said, this is the way, walk yeah. in it. I don't know who this Paul and Timothy are you talk about, but yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's probably very much like that. <laughs> let's see. Let's go to, don't have anything to do with foolish or stupid arguments because they produce quarrels. And I thought, and the, um, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. I thought. I think I know what that means and what they're referring to, but I went to blueletterbible.org, which is one of my favorite things, because then you can nerd out on Greek or Hebrew. Completely. And uh, I'm not going to try it. Well, okay. My, no, I'm not going to try to say the Hebrew. But it said it's those who gauge in war of war, words to quarrel, to wrangle, to dispute. Um, I remember once on Susie Larson Live, we had a guest that talked about how people are like a hammer mm-hmm. looking for a nail to bang. Yeah. And that's what this kind of sounds like, like someone who's always poised for an argument. Yeah, when when you think of what's going on in today's world with the kind of uh, the, ex- the the exchanges that go on and the, and the meanness and the and the quarrelsomes and the arguments and uh, we're just mean, we're, we've become mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think this warning, although it's it's you know, Paul saying to Timothy, don't don't be in these situations where you're you're getting people all enraged. Be calm. Uh, be kind. Be willing to teach. Don't be resentful. Those are pretty, those are high orders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I think we've seen, uh, well, we've seen a lot happening <laughs> in the world in the years of late. But I'm thinking about people specifically who are in churches who are getting called out on different things. And Sometimes quite rightly, sometimes, you know, people just going after them for whatever reason. But I, I started to ask myself, what if, what if we, what if more people took this on and didn't try to fight and didn't come from a posture of fighting and defending, but came from a, a place of humility? And I want to acknowledge like I don't have a public, huge public platform with lots of people giving me feedback. So that I want to acknowledge that would be really hard. But to see somebody who has a lot of influence, to if for them to get called out on something, instead of coming at, at it with defense, coming at it with humility and kindness and being patient, um, I mean, what a testimony That's that a would be. That's beautiful thing, Angela, that you're saying. This is so true. And I hard. love what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Jesus was always so invitational. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, come and see. Uh, follow me. Believe in me, abide in me. I mean, he's all these wonderful invitational things. Right. And why would we want to get involved in and being quarrelsome and get involved in stupid and foolish arguments that produce nothing good? Right. And I think when you come from a posture of humility, that just diffuses. I mean, that takes the wind out of sails. When you're like, yeah, you're right. I this this part of what I did was was wrong, and I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean that. You know, people who are there with, you know, torches and pitchforks or whatever are ready to come at you. That It's like, oh, okay, well, I don't know. Virgin, now we're just standing here with these things. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> it's so disarming. Yeah. Yeah. When That's we, a better way to put it, disarming. Well, no, I mean, yeah. you show up with humility and people can't, they, they have a hard time arguing 
with a person that's being humble. Mm-hmm. And I hope we can all be that way when we're uh, trying to gently instruct opponents and then pray that God will grant them that repentance that leads them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses. Because how many times, Angela, have you had somebody write into the show and say, I've got a prodigal, I've got someone that is just so angry and they are, they want nothing to do with God. Mm-hmm. And I, I keep thinking back to this, that I pray that, that they'll come to their senses. Mm-hmm. And realize, and you know, before we before we started recording, I, I was praying that the Holy Spirit would do what the, only the Holy Spirit can do. And and recognizing that that prayer is no small thing to pray for that person, for sure to have conversations, stay in relationship with them, but to pray that, I mean, there's nothing like God wooing you. And stay, you know, the even the examples that we gave about our young lives, the way that God stayed with us and continued to pursue us and continued to woo us to himself, yeah. that that there, I th- there's a lot of prayer behind that. Yeah. God is a God that listens to prayers and answers them. Yep. And only he can do what he does. And uh, we're, again, always praying that God will lead people to repentance. That's why you said earlier in, in this interview that I, I want to depopulate hell. I want people to come to faith in Christ. I don't want them... I want them to not only hear about Jesus, but come to saving faith in him. Mm -hmm. And then I want them to be disciples. I want them to be fully qualified to share their faith. When I say qualified, I mean equipped. They're confident. They can can give an answer for the hope that they have. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they don't back down or they don't fear being in a situation where they're going to say, I wanted to talk, but I didn't want to look foolish. Mm. You know, let the Holy Spirit empower you and equip you to be in any conversation with anybody um, and trust that the Lord will give you the words you need. Yeah. Well, and to not have, this is just a little something that the Lord was just revealing to me as you were talking about myself, that to not go into something focused on the way that I'm going to look or the way that I'm going to come off, come into the situation and say, okay, Lord, can you use me here? How do yeah. you want to use me? How do you, and not, not either not care <laughs> or be okay with looking a little foolish if that will accomplish what God wants to do. Yeah. I think that was a little something I needed to hear. Well, good. I'm an, <laughs> I'm a big fan of being willing to appear foolish mm-hmm. in the eyes of the world. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you care? I, I mean, sometimes I do, but well, I want to yeah, not, that's, which that's, is why that was a word for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's very honest, Angela, and I appreciate that about you because that's kind of who you are. But when we... Uh, foolish? Just no, kidding. No. <laughs> no, you're just so honest. So when you're willing to just say, I don't know if I want to look foolish, but... You know, you've you've brought up you've brought up a point that I need to look at. So that's just very honest. Is there anything else in this passage that you want to make sure that we cover? Uh, well, again, this was a the twenty five, uh, twenty four, twenty five, and twenty six were were memory verses for me twenty five thirty years ago. Mm. So this must have meant a lot to me way back when when I wanted so much to share my faith with people. And I wanted to be gracious. I wanted to be winsome. I wanted to be invitational. And I wanted to make sure I didn't look foolish. You know, there's these great proverbs that say, you know, a fool delights in airing his own opinion. And a fool uh, hates correction. And a fool thinks he's right all the time. I want to do what you talked about earlier is enter these conversations with humility. Mm -hmm. And I want to pray that I'm going to be kind to everyone, able to teach and not resentful. 
And I think that's what we see, the example that we see of Paul living out his life. Yeah, we sure do. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for taking the time to do this. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for this conversation about 2 Timothy 2, 15 through 26. If you'd like to find out more information about Bill Arnold, you can check out the show notes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And we'll see you next time for 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com.